He's a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci. I'm one of the co-hosts of this program. And as always, my brother joins me. Hello, this is Derek and I like to party. What is that a reference to? It's a reference to Hot Rod, the movie Hot Rod. You just watch Hot Rod? I watched it like a week or two ago, but that line has been in my head ever since. You can't say that because I already said that I'm Rod and I like to party. We just watched that a couple weeks ago ourselves over here. It's a great movie. It is an underrated movie. It is a very yes. underrated movie, considering how omni- – it's weird. All these Lonely Island movies, like, um, they don't make any money. It's, like, so strange to me. Nobody <laughs> sees these movies. No, and they're all great. This <laughs> is the worst part. Like, Popstar, I think, is one of the best movies. Popstar is incredible. In ages. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so weird because these these people are popular. You know what I mean? Like people love Andy Samberg on the internet, but they don't pay do to they, go see his movies. Do they? They I think they do. They did. I, you know what? He might be like a little passe now, but there was like a point like where the millennials fucking loved him a couple of years ago. Like when Popstar and Hot Rod came out, he was a popular guy. Well, I mean, there's like a decade between Popstar and Hot Rod. Right, but for that decade, especially when he was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he guess he still is. But he like when is. Brooklyn Nine-Nine was like really popular. Um, but here's the thing. Brooklyn Nine-Nine was really popular. It was averaging like two million viewers. Like it, yeah, No, I know. I, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things. What was I watching the other day? I was watching something the other day. Are you ever going to learn to turn off your phone when you do these uh, podcasts? Oh, I'm sorry. That's because you emailed me. <laughs> What's that got to do with your phone being on? <laughs> I don't know. I forgot to shut it off. I, I emailed you money to pay you for doing the Snyder Cut episode. Yes, which everyone should go listen to the Snyder Cut. Which episode everyone should go listen to. So, money. let's actually before we talk about before we talk about um, <laughs> Lonely Island, which is what this podcast is now about. <laughs> before we talk about Lonely Island, uh, if you are. Uh, Listening to this show uh, for the first time, listening to the show on one of the podcasting apps, or you're one of our $1 patrons on Patreon, you should know that we recorded a massive two-hour podcast about the Snyder Cut, Jack, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max, and it is up on our Patreon right now. It's for $5 and above subscribers. It's www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, and uh, if you like what we do on this podcast, one – so sorry. And two, you can get a lot more of it over on this podcast because we do two solid hours. And the thing is that Derek is the DC comics expert in the family. So he brings like a lot of deep DC knowledge and a lot of deep DC anger <laughs> and a lot of deep heartbreak. That's what I bring to it. Yes. Yeah. Some very sad moments for me. Uh, yeah. I apologize also for the uh, helicopters that are going on in the background. I live in Los Angeles and I sit down to do this podcast and the helicopters just come out it is next level um that's the thing about blade runner that has been the most real to me is the constant overhead stuff fly you know blade runner like big giant ships like dirigibles or whatever but in la it's just fucking endless helicopters so i apologize yeah anyway before we let's 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 bring this podcast back we are on season two of marvel vision because we have begun falcon and the winter soldier um, so for folks who might be new, what we do on this show is we do a little bit of intro and some Marvel news, and then we jump into recapping and discussing the show itself. So let's start with 
Marvel news. You got any Marvel news? Uh, yeah, nothing huge. There are little things. Hannibal Burris is, uh, has, I guess, affirmed that he is in Spider-Man No Way Home. He did that by putting up a behind the scenes video on Instagram, which was quickly taken down. So, <laughs> so I'm sure he got yelled at. Yeah. But, uh, so you got that at the same time. Glad to have him back. I am very glad to have him back. I, I really like Hannibal. Hannibal Burris did one of my favorite things of all time where he sent somebody else to the Spider-Man premiere to, to see if like the, the <laughs> interviewers would just think it was Hannibal Burris. And every interviewer it, interviewed this random black man as if he was Hannibal Burris. So he That's- proved his point that. Nobody really knows who he is. That's incredible. Or they're all racist. One or the well, other. Yeah, either or the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else we got? Uh, also on the set of Spider-Man Far No Way Home, uh, Andrew uh, Garfield's stunt double posted a picture of himself there on the set on Instagram before deleting it. So that's kind of huge. That feels like it does. I mean, so uh, it's possible that Andrew Garfield's stunt double is just a stunt double for other guys or just does stunts right there's no reason that he just is like he's like andrew garfield's personal stunt double and like lives in his back house and like only doubles andrew garfield <laughs> it's not once upon a time in, in hollywood right exactly although you know that's based on a real relationship i did not know that mm-hmm. yeah it's burt reynolds and hal needham um oh. that is a real relationship burt reynolds let hal needham move into his back house and hal needham lived there for like 20 years and they were best friends and hal needham made some of the best burt reynolds movies of all time Yes, he did. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's you know, it's not based on, but it's inspired by that relationship that those two had, which yeah. was a real true uh, good friendship. I got, got the opportunity to see Burt Reynolds, I think, in his final public Q&A, talk about that and talk about how he, like, Needham said, oh, I'm, you know, I need a place to stay. And Burt was like, oh, you can crash in my guest house. And then Burt says, and then 20 years later, he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so it was uh, adorable but yeah so but it does seem likely that if andrew garfield's stunt double was there that um andrew garfield is probably not far away or at the very least a spider-man who represents andrew garfield spider-man right like we maybe we don't see him with his mask off but he's yeah of andrew garfield type could that be i guess that's plausible it's gonna be interesting i mean um tom holland tried to like deny this but it seems like he was full of shit yeah. So. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. It seems, in fact, like we're going to get a whole bunch of cinematic Spider-Mans all jammed together in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. There's also a photo from very far away uh, of what might be Andrew Garfield on set as well. But nobody is quite sure if it's Andrew Garfield. I've seen the photo. guy with big hair. I've seen the photo. It's a guy with big hair, but he's in a Spider-Man costume. Yes. He is so, in a Spider-Man costume. I'm a little confused by this because traditionally on open air sets like that, the people in costumes will wear um, cloaks when walking yep. from one location to the next. Yep. So I'm a little bit confused because that's really traditional. Like they really cloak them up. So I am confused by that, but I guess we'll find out. What do you think it would cost for Marvel to be like, hey, Andrew Garfield, why don't you come to set for like two days and just walk around in the costume? I mean, probably a lot and of money. I'm sure Andrew Garfield does not want to just fly to fucking Atlanta in the middle of a pandemic to walk around in a Spider-Man costume that is tight and um, probably uncomfortable. Maybe he's filming something else down there. Yeah, maybe, but still. Um, you know what's interesting is that Spider-Man, Ms. Marvel, and Hawkeye all filmed on the same street corner within the same couple of days in Atlanta. All of these productions are happening in Atlanta right now. Yes, yes, that is pretty wild. 
That it's is pretty crazy. I suspect that movie magic will make it so that we do not know it's the same street corner. Or they'll just do what the CWDC shows do and just show us the same building in every show and claim they're in different cities. I suspect so. Marvel's not going to do that. <laughs> I suspect Marvel's not going to have the same just gonna show the CNN of Vancouver. Building. You're just going to see the CNN building in the background of every shot. And they're like, we're in Chicago. We're in New York. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case. You got any other Marvel news? Um, nope. No, that about does it from what I could find. There's a lot of rumors out there right now, but nothing. Any good rumors that you saw that you liked? Uh, there's a rumor that uh, they've built a uh, Sanctum Centorium for Spider-Man in Atlanta. And that has people thinking that Doctor Strange is going to be in it. Uh, partly also because uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was asked if he was filming anything for Spider-Man. And he said yes and no. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, Doctor Strange is in this movie. I know this for a fact. He's okay. in this movie, and he's got a pretty reasonable part. Boy, I guess everybody's in this movie, huh? There's a lot of people in this fucking movie. Um, but yeah, Doctor Strange is in this movie, for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I according to my sources, um, close to the world of Marvel, yeah. uh, that we will see Doctor Strange in this movie. Okay. And it's not going to be as major a role necessarily as some other guest stars like Iron Man, but expect it to be sort of Iron Man-y in terms of mentorship and stuff like that. Great. <laughs> You're not excited. This helicopter will not go away. I apologize to all the listeners at home. Uh, I live next to the five freeway. So whenever there's like the littlest bit of traffic, you get the traffic copters out there. Or it could be a police helicopter chasing down a suspect. I live next to the LA river as well. And they love to go run down the LA river. Walking along by the LA river. Uh, this river's such a joke, and so am I. You got any other uh, Marvel news? Um, the first Loki poster was revealed. Yeah, it was interesting. What did you think of it? I think it looks like Loki standing there. He's got like a clock behind him. He's got a clock with too many hands on it behind him, right? A clock with too many hands, and he's got a, a bomb strapped to his neck. A shock, at least a shock collar. Maybe a at bomb collar, collar, maybe a shock collar. And he yeah. appears to have two shirts on. He's like rocking that like uh, shirt under a shirt thing. Yes. It looks like. And they also, I'm guessing it was a joke, but they kind of hinted that the name of the show is not Loki. What did they hit? They, well, in the video they made to reveal the poster, it's, uh, uh, what's his name? Loki, whatever the actor's name is. I Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston and uh, Owen Wilson. And uh, Tom Hiddleston says, and here's the poster for Loki. And Owen Wilson says, you think the child shows Loki? And Tom Hiddleston says, yeah, that's what they told me. And Owen Wilson says, I heard different. So I think it's banter. I, suspect I think it's banter. just banter as well. But yeah. you never know. You never I think know. it's banter. It could be Loki and Mobius. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm right. pretty sure it's Loki. Yeah, like, but yeah, I mean, it's a clock with too many hands. And then Loki with two shirts and the shot collar. Looks pretty good. Looks fine. I'm excited. I'm interested in the show. I think it's going to be interesting. I've heard, I've heard tell that it's pretty wild. This is the, the behind-the-scenes goss that I've gotten, is that it's pretty wild. It's all time travel, right? It's all kinds of weird shit, apparently. Yeah. yeah. The MCU is getting real weird here in Phase 4. Yes. Oh, also, uh, Kevin Feige was asked about Young Avengers in Phase 4, and he said he wouldn't be like, yes, we're setting up the Young Avengers, but he said, you know, right now I get to play, I get to do the part that uh, Nick Fury did at the end of Iron Man. I get to tell all these young actors that they're part of something larger. Right. So, which I would think all the actors would know that because it's Marvel. 
But, <laughs> I guess maybe yeah, some. But also, that. just getting a getting a part in a Marvel show is or movie is one thing, but becoming one of the Young Avengers is another matter altogether. Yeah. Because it yes. is the assumption is Young Avengers is probably the next core thing. Which I wonder if they'll call it Young Avengers or if they'll go with Champions. They'll go with Young Avengers because Avengers has more um, more connection. Yeah, more I still wonder if they're going to do an Ultimates movie series as well. Such a terrific name for um for a movie series and Ultimates. Um, Young Avengers has one meaning. Yeah, Ultimates is a different meaning. It feels bigger and grander. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can bring in like your more legacy older heroes and put them in Ultimates um, yeah. and make it sort of a big deal. But I yes. guess we'll see. I guess we'll you find out. Find so find phase out. 4 is sh- shaping up in very interesting and strange ways. Um, and we should talk about the next step of Phase 4. But first, we have to do Marvel jokes. Yes. If you're new to the show, every week, Derek reads from an official Marvel joke book. And uh, we enjoy the hilarity of these great, great jokes. Yes, they're amazing. For example, <laughs> what do you call a guy that looks like Thor's brother? What do you call a guy that looks like Thor's brother? A Loki-like. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That that's actually on. That's like involves the characters. So that's like already one step ahead of you. Most of these Marvel jokes. Okay. Yeah, well, get ready. <laughs> what did the police do when the evil barber escaped from prison? What did the police do when the evil barber escaped from prison? They combed the area. <laughs> it's great. There's a little picture of Captain America under that joke and Captain America saying, because he's a barber. Ha! They kept, it's not a hard joke to get. We get it, man. It's okay. I feel like there's like, um, there's like hairy characters from like the beast. You could not necessarily say the cops escape from prison, but like, you know, or Medusa Medusa. Yeah. Yeah, I get, well, escape from prison doesn't work. I guess. But you still say like, what did when Medusa disappeared? What did the Fantastic Four do? They combed the area. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, we're sitting here rewriting these jokes. Uh, yeah. Give us one more, and we'll get to the show. What's Hulk's favorite side dish? Green beans, smashed potatoes. Smashed potatoes. Very good. Very good. I like that one. That's pretty good. That actually involves a bit of the IP. I'll, I'll yeah. accept it. There you go. All right, you ready to talk about the Falcon and Winter Soldier? Season one, episode one. Oh, I am. Let's do it. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. It's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, season one, episode one, New World Order. And we open with... um. Sam Wilson, the Falcon, and he is packing some stuff up. He's packing up the Captain America shield. We have this voiceover where we hear um, the discussion that he had with Cap at the end of Endgame, where Cap says, how does it feel? And Sam says, like it belongs to somebody else. Um, And so that's obviously going to be a big part of Sam's story in the show, is sort of him coming to terms with being given the, uh, the shield. And all the responsibility that it, it carries and imposter syndrome, if you will, a lot of imposter syndrome, right? So, um, what happens is that we don't deal with that right away. Instead, we jump to a big action scene and, uh, it is, this is a wild fucking action scene. This, this is a big screen action scene. Like this was, 
you could tell this cost money. It, like they they spent time on it. It it was a very exciting, very well done action sequence. Really, really well done. Like they did real skydiving. Like they clearly yeah. did real skydiving. <laughs> yeah. They brought back Batrock the Leaper, which it must have cost a lot of money to bring back uh, Georges Saint Pierre uh, to play Batrock the Leaper. Um, Batrock the Leaper is one of the weirdest uh, characters from Captain America comics. He is totally ludicrous. He's a super duper Frenchy French uh, acrobat. Yes. Who, who, uh, who with his Batrock brigade, um, basically they're all circus dudes, um, fights Captain America every now and again. In the comics, he has this ludicrous mustache that I would love yes. to see them bring him. He's got a very French mustache. Um, he is like intense, like, wee oui, wee, oui, Captain America. Yes. He's like, that's yeah. his whole fucking deal in the comics. Yeah. It is very intense. Yes. Um, I love that what they've done, though, in, you know, he was appeared in um, Winter Soldier and now he's here. Um, it's so cool to have him again. Like, it's cool to have the sense of these small time villains that are like operating. One of the big problems, I think, in too many superhero movies is because they kill this, the villains off at the end of every single movie. You don't get a sense that the the characters and the villains are having continued engagements and you don't know who they're dealing with in between movies. But yes. having like this low stakes bat rock, I mean, it's not low stakes, but low stakes for in general, bat rock thing, I think really is nice because it gives you a sense of like, who the supporting world are is like who's happening in what's happening in between these movies and stuff. Yes. Um, and I love that also in the MCU, they really keep his color scheme. I guess. I mean, a hundred percent. He's wearing all purple when he first meets both in winter soldier and here. And then when he puts on his wingsuit, it's yellow. His costume is purple and yellow. It's the, one of the ugliest fucking costumes of all time. Yeah, it's a, it's like a bad-looking Wolverine costume. It's grotesque, the purple and yellow. They're horrible colors together. And they yeah. get both of those colors in here for him. I think it's so fucking cool. I'm, I'm like, very psyched about it. Um, and I'm psyched about was, this action scene. I, I really like the saying. The one issue I have with this action scene is when uh, Sam lands on the plane, and he's looking through the window, and the guy sees him. And he's like, there's a man outside the plane. And Batrock the Leaper's like, Ah, uh, you're just joking around. It's like, no, you live in a world where that happens. You know that happens. <laughs> like, this isn't, you know, the first Superman movie where it's like, oh, my God, there's Superman. There's never been superheroes. Like, Barack the Leaper fought Captain America. Like, he knows that there's superheroes out there. He shouldn't be like, man, you're, you're seeing things. He should be like, okay, this could be a problem and get ready. But he doesn't. And that kind of bummed me out. But beyond right. that, the action scene's amazing. Yeah, I would agree. The action scenes are incredible. Yeah. Um, the, the, this this sequence in particular, because it, it one it introduces Falcon's new suit, and I love his new suit. It is I I've not been a big so fan. Good. It looks like a fucking comic book suit for once. It really does. It really does. And like the wings look yeah. like they're feathered. I mean, like they're not, but it looks like it. And I think that it really yeah. too much too often in the previous Captain Americas and Avengers and whatever. Um, they go for the tactical look for these characters, and this is getting more towards the superhero look, which is what I really want. Yes. I want that for these characters. Um, I agree. The, the way that his wings look alone, I thought, was just the best fucking possible upgrade. Uh, yeah. And I was very, very excited about it. Um, the the action scene itself is nuts because it's um, there's a, an army soldier who has been uh, kidnapped by Batrock for reasons I do not understand. <clears throat> Did you? I, did they say? I don't why? think they did. Like they're doing a lot of stuff to get this one guy back, which I guess, like, I guess army, right? Like you never leave a man behind, I, and they're taking that to the to the extreme here. But I feel like you should have been like, oh, they've got a senator or like 
some diplomat or something. Not like they've got a they've got a private. <laughs> like, well, I tell you, I kind of like. There's like a. This goes into the larger scope of the thing, but the idea of Sam as a military contractor, as opposed to like, uh, I like the idea that he's a guy that they call in for like side missions, not like for the big missions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, well, sure they, they definitely. It's interesting because they say you got to be quiet. We can't let anyone know that the U.S. government's involved in this. So I guess that's right. why they don't want Batrock having a soldier because that reveals that the U.S. government's doing something somewhere they shouldn't be. I guess. And I mean, the, the premise here is that Batrock has this soldier. They're headed towards Libyan airspace. They're in Tunisia right now, and they need to get him before yeah. they get into Libyan airspace. And so they send in um, Sam, who does a very cool jump out of the airplane move, which is really cool. Um, and then uh, he goes and flies in and, and fights three helicopters. He fights a bunch of goons who are in. He fights like suit. five helicopters. There's like five helicopters. They keep showing up. It's pretty impressive. At one point, they blew up a helicopter, and I was like, oh, shit, did they just kill the fucking soldier? <laughs> I really lost track of all the helicopters. Helicopters, and it's not their fault, but helicopters all tend to look the same, like military helicopters. So it's like, I wish they were different colors. So I knew which one he was in. Because I also had that problem of like, I'm not sure which one they're following. But I really liked how he gets into the plane. Because then first they're in a plane. Right. And he uses... uh, his robot, whatever it's called, I forgot the name of Red it. Red Wing, who in the comics is a real Falcon. Um, this is one of the things I don't love in the movies. Is they took he has a Falcon that he has a psychic connection with, and they turned it into just a robot, which is like I yeah, get I'm it. okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, it's a little much. Like if he was flying around with a just a Falcon, he'd be like, eh, it's not very helpful. But uh, he sends out Red Wing, and it lasers open the door and the way he flies into the door is so cool it's so like, cool. I was like that's fantastic and it's a really good fight in the murders plane. everyone well he doesn't murder so what's interesting is he does later on murder a lot of people but he doesn't murder he kicks a guy here. out of the plane he kicks a guy the guy, and the guy falls the out of the plane if you watch the guy's trajectory yeah. as he as he kicks him and the guy goes down the end down the length of the plane and then he is sucked yeah. out the door so i yeah. mean you know i mean of course sam is responsible. I mean, sam has no problem killing sam is a military guy like this is something uh, i've seen coming up a lot especially since the snyder cut came out this weekend as well of people being like why is it okay when marvel characters kill people but everyone gets upset when dc characters do it and the big difference especially in the movies is marvel has set up these characters as militaristic figures which is not a great some of them not some of them some of them which is not a great thing but Sam Falcon is a military figure. Well, he so it, works in the military. It's interesting because in the comics, Sam is not. He is no, a social not. worker, and yes. um, I, you know, I making him a military guy really worked well. I think in the movies because it gave a better intro for him to get involved with Captain America. It made more sense. Like it really worked why they became buddies in the movies because you have less space to work with this and you needed like a really quick in and the quick in is, Oh yeah, I was also overseas and I had a hard time getting back to civilian life. I understand what it's like. The beds are too soft. The beds are too soft soft discussion. Right. So you have him working in the VA as a veteran dealing with soldiers who are suffering from PTSD, which really works in with Cap's whole story. It's a, it's a really smart narrative device, but in terms of the character, it is a little bit weird because he is not that character in the comics. No, but he is military and not just military, but he's on specifically a military sanctioned mission here against yes. terrorists. And yes. I don't love my superheroes killing people, but in this particular situation, this is one of those ones where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let it go because it's a big difference between 
Falcon, who does not have super strength, like he's got a super suit, but right. it doesn't give him super strength or anything where he's fighting guys who are shooting him and he shoots back and like blows up stuff and whatever, where it's a mortal fighting mortals compared to Wonder Woman causing a gigantic explosion to kill one man with her wrists. Right. It's like there's a big separation there of like power distinction. Right. And I will again, I will say that Sam ups the level of violence as they up the level of violence at him, I would say. Um, you know, he comes in he and has a, there. he has a fist, he has a fist fight at the beginning. And yes. then as the thing goes on and they keep throwing helicopters at him, he's like blowing up the helicopters and stuff. He, he, he weirdly chooses one man to keep alive where he sets off the guy's parachute, which I was like, Oh, that's interesting. That guy, you can live. Everybody else is going to die. Well, it's a, well, that's just a good action bit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the free fall and yeah. you pull the guy's string and he goes flying. That's just a great action yeah. bit. Um, so he, Sam is able to, we see Sam in this incredible, huge action sequence that goes on for as long as we've been talking about it now. Um, and it is this absolute big screen explosions and air, aerial acrobatics. The way they shoot him, I think is really great. Like, um, it's, it's honestly one of the best looking Marvel action sequences ever. And it's one I of the think. best looking yeah. flying man fighting action sequences I've ever seen. They often look yes. really phony and shitty, but this I thought looked fucking terrific. Well, it, it's funny. I was thinking watching it the second time of how in the the assemble for WandaVision, the making of WandaVision, where uh, Elizabeth Olsen says, Marvel doesn't really do a lot with flying characters all over the place. You may be one flying character here or there. And this was this feels like they're like, oh, we'll show you flying characters. <laughs> you want to see flying characters? Here you go. Everybody's flying because they because Batrock and his gang, they put on they put uh, wingsuits suits and they fly out of the plane right and after the the pilot gets shot by a ricochet which was crazy yeah that's really good and, that's really good action yeah. it's just you know the thing is this opening scene is just good action movie stuff it's just great action yes. movie stuff is what it is yes um, yeah it isn't necessarily quote-unquote superhero fighting it's just terrific fucking action movie fighting yes I, i've seen a couple of people be like this is better than the last fight in mission impossible it's like it's not that good Come on, let's be crazy <laughs> but like it is like that kind of fight it is like you could see this happening like like Tom Cruise being like, yeah, I'll put on a wingsuit and fly through the Grand Canyon. Why not? Well, you know, now he's going to have to after having watched this. Yes. The, yeah. the, the stakes have been upped. Um, as yeah. Sam is doing this, he's got a guy on the ground. He's got a military intelligence guy, Torres, who is leading him through everything. And um, I was not – his name didn't jump out to me my first time through. It wasn't until my second time through that I realized who this guy is. And my first time through, I was like, oh, this guy's dead meat. This character is like got dead meat written all fucking over him. Like, this guy is like, he comes pre-dead, this guy. Yes, I thought so as well. There's a scene later where I was like, oh, he's going to die. Yeah, because he, <laughs> he's like so excited to work with the Falcon and he's like cheering him on from the ground as he's like spotting for him and telling him we're 30 seconds away from the border and he's all, yeah. all this other stuff. I'm like, oh, this Torres guy is going to fucking eat it so hard. But he may not because do you know what I realized when I saw the end credits and realized who this guy is? No. Uh, Joaquin Torres is the second Falcon. Oh, is he? In the comics, yeah. Whoa, now, might they, still, might they still kill him anyway? I don't know. Might they just put this guy in as sort of like a little uh, you know, Easter egg and then make us all think that he's going to make it to the end? Um, yeah. Maybe. But I'll tell you, in the comics, he's not just the second Falcon. He gets superpowers as the Falcon. He grows wings and gets weird eyes. He becomes a Falcon oh, Man. Oh. And he becomes a Falcon Man at the hands of a guy named Carl Malice. Okay. who is uh, also involved with a group as the power broker and who gives people superpowers. And the thing about Carl Malice and, is that Carl Malice is uh, in the show. Yes. Uh, but as a woman. Okay. And uh, in the end credits, they talk about the power broker. 
Yes, they show the power broker in the end card. They show the name power, power broker. broker. So I think yeah. that what we're looking at here um, is Joaquin Torres possibly becoming the second Falcon at some point if Sam steps up and becomes Captain America by the end of the series, leaving the Falcon identity open, and perhaps becoming Falcon with superpowers. Yes. Yeah. Which is I mean, it's, it's one of two. Either he's going to die because they spend a lot of time making sure we like him, or he's going to become a hero. It's one or the other. Like that's that's the those are the only options here. Yeah. All right. Um, by the way, Carl Malice is in uh, Jessica Jones, the TV show. So if he does show up here in a different form, uh, that is another way that they're um, decanonizing. Uh, so I think he's going to show up here. I have a suspicion, but we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, anyway, the important business is that after this action sequence, Sam is able to do it. Batter off the Leaper falls, but he's clearly not dead. He's going to show up again someday in some other thing. Um, he, he falls enough to be like, in trouble, but we know that there's no way he's dead. Yeah, we see like the helicopter he's in blows up, but he, he jumps, jumps out, out the last second, and he's got his wingsuit still on, so he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he's back yes. to the leaper. He he leapt out uh, just yes. at the right moment. And then, yes. um, so we cut to um, Sam and Torres, sort of like um, debriefing and hanging out, getting some coffee, and we get some interesting post blip information here. Yes. Um, we get a local um, Tunisian dude that comes up and thanks the Falcon for bringing his wife back to him. No, to bring, he blipped, right? Is no, he he the no, no, back. she blipped. She blipped. She blipped. Yeah, she is like, definitively younger than he is. She, she's, and he says, uh, thank you for bringing my wife back to me. Yes. And uh, Falcon's like, hey, you bet. And yeah. then um, there's some discussion here where um, Torres talks about um, – IT department is having a hard time because there's a billion IP addresses that have returned back all in one moment. Um, people suddenly get back on their old phones and stuff like that out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. And um, Falcon is like playing with Red Wing. He's like fixing it up. There was a thruster malfunction during the battle. But as they're hanging out in this open air market, Torres has his phone out and he has this AR program and he finds this AR graffiti from the Flag Smashers. Yes. And he tells um, he tells Sam the Flag Smashers are a group that arose after the blip because they liked the way the world was during the blip. Like they felt like the world was better there, and the, 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 there was a chance to unify the world without borders. Right, and so yes. that's what they're trying to do. And yes. so um, we're now being introduced to sort of one of our main, clearly one of our main antagonists. Um, in, what, in what's series. interesting is the Flag Smashers clearly have an evil logo because it's a hand over the world right so that's it and it's red so it's an evil logo and we're told here that they're bad guys but what they want as Taurus puts it is not a bad thing to want a unified world it's they, there's nothing in there where they're like through fascism or anything he just like they want a unified world and and falcon is like that could be that could be dangerous and it's like well, give us a little more info on why they're dangerous and then I guess we get a little later, maybe. Kind well, of? I suspect. So I have a lot of suspicions. This episode is um, a little light. It's real. It's really intro stuff, like very intro stuff. But let me yeah. tell you, in the comics, Flag Smasher is a guy. He's not just a. He's not a group. Yes. He's a guy. I love, I love Flag Smasher. He's another one with a great costume. He's got a great costume, and he leads a group called Ultimatum. And Ultimatum is the underground, liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. Um, <laughs> Marvel in their... <laughs> They're accurate. Or, yeah. Oh Actually, this God. is, I fucked up. Um, uh, Carl Malice is not guaranteed to be in the show. Flag Smasher himself, Carl Morgenthau, he's in the show as Carly Morgenthau. 
the head of oh, okay. there's, there's going to be a lady flag smasher who is Carly Morgenthau, which I guess we saw her in the trailers. We did see her in the trailers. So the thing is, is that I think what this show is a little bit got some interesting stuff going on. And I do wonder if the question of the idea of borders and nationalism, because we're also at the end of the episode, spoilers, we're going to meet the new Captain America, yeah. who in the comics is not our favorite guy. Um, we're clearly setting up these two extreme ends of the situation here. We're setting up this anarchist, borderless, non-nation world, and we're setting up this highly militarized nationalism thing because U.S. agent yeah. John Walker, who's the new Captain America, is super nationalist. Um, so yeah. obviously the show is dealing with these two extremes, and I'm kind of curious to see where it goes and what it well, does with this Yeah, I, I mean the, the show uh, – we'll get into it at, at the end of this, but the show is setting up a lot of interesting uh, – Opposites, right? You know, which also in this scene, uh, Falcon brings up. Uh, I can't remember the exact way it comes up, but Taurus is like, you know, things were better for some people, and uh, Falcon says, Sam says, you know, usually when things get better for one group, it gets worse for another, right? And that's a purposeful line. Like yeah. they're setting, like they're telling you things about these characters. And this episode is, I guess, light, but also I feel like this episode they were like we've had all these movies and we've never bothered to really give any personality to Falcon outside of Anthony Mackie is a very like charismatic guy. guy. Yeah. So we got to spend some time like really building up who he is. And also the same with winter soldier. You know, I don't, when I say light, I don't mean, I mean like in terms of like by the end of this first hour, I feel like we're just getting started. This feels like a prologue episode as opposed to like chapter one. This feels like chapter zero. zero Yeah, Yeah, this is your like a a wizard half. Right, because the the two characters don't even get together in this episode. No, although we know that Sam is trying to contact Bucky. Right. So the other thing they talk about at this um, little uh, coffee break is – Torres asks him, hey, what's the story of Captain America? A lot of crazy conspiracy theories. Um, I hear he's alive and he's on the moon. Yes, he's, he's on the moon watching all of us, which is the Watcher. Yes. Uh, yes. Although it's also Nick uh, Nick Fury became um, the Watcher. He on became the, the Watcher. And then yeah, uh, yeah. he had to go up there and take take him out. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it's interesting. And uh, that's a good little bit because I, we, we, we then cut to um, Falcon at the Smithsonian where he is donating Captain America's shield to the Smithsonian exhibit on Captain America. Yes, and the greatest actor of all time is there. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Yes. Nice little so cameo from Rhodey. Very exciting. It's very that good. Very exciting. Yeah, Rhodey shows up. That was nice. And Sam gives a really good speech about um, the shield really belongs to Steve. And he gives a speech about um, you know how important um, uh, symbols are, but they're only as important as the men and women who give meaning to them. I think it's a very, very good speech. Um, yes. But also I think Sam is super wrong. Like I think Sam's like really – blowing it here and Rhodey feels the same Rhodey's like aren't you you're supposed to be captain america dude like he gave it yeah. to you like yeah. you you don't you don't trust his judgment and sam's like no i just it doesn't feel right it does not feel at all right with me yes um and then we cut to um the winter soldier he's got his and mo- it, well before we do it, it's it. important to note that the shield is being put into the smithsonian right. that is what sam is told is happening right is the shield is, is going to be part of an exhibit in the Smithsonian. Right. And that's important for later. Right. Yeah. So the shield is being, there's like a, a glass case and everything where the shield is yeah. going to be on display for everybody to look at. And it's part of that larger Captain America um, Smithsonian exhibit that we saw in yeah. uh, Winter Soldier that Bucky went to at the end of Winter Soldier to get his memory back. You know, in the, so somebody um, zoomed in really tight. I was going to mention the eagle eyes of Reddit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they saw some interesting things where according to the, um, 
according to the uh, text in the Smithsonian, Captain America retired, which is not the yes. same as what we heard in Spider-Man Far From Home, where it's indicated no, that everybody thinks he's dead. dead. Right. Yes. So I don't – I'm very curious. This seems to be taking place – I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Spider-Man Far From Home, most of it seems to take place later than these shows. But I'm not 100% sure. And the fact that it's just small detail in the background, I'm not taking it as super canon just yet. Well, it's funny because people online are freaking out because it's like, it says that Cat America had one mission after the death of Iron Man. What could that mission be? It's like, the mission was to return the stones. Right. That we know mission, what that right? mission was, right? Like, that seems like the obvious answer to that. And then the retire thing, I can see a world where they're like, we don't want to tell everyone that Captain America's dead. So we're going to tell him he's retired, and then later on it comes out that he's dead, even though he's not dead. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to sort of see where they go with it because yeah. um, Chris Evans is not going to be in the show almost certainly, um, yeah. although who knows, right? I mean like crazier things have happened, but almost certainly not going to be in the show. So I'm curious to see how they continue to deal with Steve's – with where Steve is because yeah. that feels important in a situation where you're arguing over who Captain America is. Yes. Um, I, he could die during the show just off camera, very uh, – uh, Peggy, you yeah. know, Car- Peggy Carter style. I mean, it might, that'd be really weird though, wouldn't it? I guess. It'd yeah. feel weird. Yeah. I think to kill him in between episodes of a spinoff TV show, but, um, that's the problem with the fucking end game, isn't it? Um, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we yeah. cut to the winter soldier, long hair, long greasy hair and his whining guitar music as he, um, goes on this Hydra assassination mission. He kills a bunch of dudes like in a hotel and yes. um, then there's a, a civilian who is there who sees it all, and he's like, please don't kill me. And if this guy had just been able to get his fucking key in the door or, or just run away or if the guy – if this hotel had had electronic door cards, he would be alive today. But it, We don't I, know how long ago it was though. <clears throat> that is a good point. We don't know how long ago. Yes. Um, but he is killed. Yes. By the Winter Soldier. And then Bucky wakes up and he's sleeping on the floor in his apartment and he has short hair. And um, thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Get rid of that wig. Yeah. It's the worst. And uh, he goes to this. He goes to the he goes to the therapist. He sits in front yes. of this uh, big uh, picture of the forest. As yes, he, he, he has he has many shots. that are straight out of like an early 2000s movie about yeah. uh that like uh, what's his name from Scrubs would have Zach directed Braff, big Zach Braff, Zach Braff yeah. yeah big Zach Braff feeling in front of those woods. Um, I love and, and, and he's got a, a, a he's got a a mouthy shrink. I love her. what he's got. I love her. She's great. She's great. Um, she yeah. um, she's she's military herself. We find yes. out over the conversation, um, but he's obviously not talking to her. And she's like, "This is a condition of your pardon. Like you have to be here in therapy. Like you got pardoned. So that's yeah. that's a piece of information that's important to have. Bucky's been pardoned." Yes, yes, that's huge. It's very important. It's very, very big. And he's also um, going through efforts to make amends. And he has this book. He's going through the steps. Well, he's going through some version of it, right? So he has this book where he keeps a list of people he needs to make amends to. Now, I noticed that he had names on different pages. Yes. And I wonder if those different pages mean different things. I don't know. That's a good question. Because one person we see in flashback that he has made amends – and he has these three rules he has to follow, um, you know. So, and but the way that he makes amends is there's this senator who Hydra helped put in power, and he helped as Hydra's assassin guy. And so she's still in power, and she's still doing terrible things. So what he does is the way he makes amends is he gets her busted. 
Yes. Um, and so we have this whole funny sequence where he does this, where he gets her busted and um, he beats her. I, I really like going through the steps. Yes. And he, he's like, what was step two again? And she's like, step two is is extremely important. Don't hurt anyone. And he's like, if it's so important, why isn't it step one? It was rule, like, one. rule one. Rule one. Or rule one. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's good. That's good. Um, so, like that. but he has, a, a, so that's, that's one page. And there's some interesting yes. names on that page. And there's another page that has other names. I suspect that there's a, a page of people who he needs to take care of, who he put into positions of power or whatever. And yeah. there are people that he's harmed. And I think they're on different pages. This is my guess. That would make sense. That would make sense. Because there's another guy that he has to make amends to, and it's an old man. Um, yes. Did you write down his name? Because I didn't write down his name. I did not write down his name. <laughs> I did not. What, what, what I like is – all of this pays off on something, a quick line from Civil War, where Iron when at the end when Iron Man is fighting uh, Cap and Winter Soldier and Bucky, and Iron Man says Tony says to him, "Do you even remember them?" And he says, "I remember all of them." Yes, yeah, and so and we see that he's truly is. haunted by all the things. Yes, that he, he is haunted by these things. And I like in that scene where it shows him dealing with the senator, where he walks up and he's like, "I was the Winter Soldier." My name is Bucky Barnes. I, you know, I, I am atoning for my past. Well, he says, he says, I am no longer the Winter Soldier. My name is no James, longer. James Buchan, James B- Bucky Barnes. Uh, and I am here to make amends. And then, so the, but the way that he makes amends in this case, again, is to get her busted so that she's no longer in power. It's Yori is the name of the old man. And Yori um, is, is, we meet him in this very funny little uh, thing where he's fighting with another neighbor about putting garbage <laughs> in his garbage can. This was one of the – this was a very funny moment, but this is also one of those moments where it's like I can see them writing the, the episode or maybe like in like the third or fourth draft. And they're like, oh, we never said the guy's name. So he just randomly yells out his name, which is very weird. He's like, I'm Yuri to, to the other guy who goes, I am unique. And it's like, oh, that's – that usually how conversations go. Well, it's but, a good scene right. though. And it says, you know, what's funny. Is this scene. is a scene that I wanted to see in a Captain America movie because Bucky lives in Brooklyn and yes. Yuri, uh, y- Yuri is a, a neighbor or something. It seems. And I wanted to see Captain America who lived in Brooklyn in the comics and who had a building full of neighbors. I wanted to see him interacting with people. I really wanted to see that in the movies. We never the got closest. It. We, the closest we got to that is an age of Ultron where there's the old world war two veterans right. at the party. And you know that Cap invited them. That like Cap hangs out with those guys. Oh yeah, those, those, are, his, those are his dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, but you don't get him hanging out with his neighbors, and like like how this is, which I really liked. I do really like this idea of him having neighbor friends. It's it's nice, especially after his his uh, therapist was like, "You don't talk to anybody. You 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 haven't called anybody all week besides me. That's bad. You got to make more friends." And then we see that he does have friends. He's got Yuri. It's Yori. Yori Yori Nakajima is the old fella's name, and uh, his son is that guy who the Winter Soldier killed in that nightmare. And so this yes. is a separate kind of amends he's trying to make. And he it seems like it's been going on for a while. He has like a seems like a standing lunch date with him, and Yori yes. is so irritated by the guy who's putting the garbage in the wrong can that he doesn't even want to go on the lunch date. And Falcon and Winter Soldier's like, listen, I'll pay. Um, so they go out to lunch at a sushi place. And do you think Unique's going to come back? I wouldn't count on it. I mean, it's just a funny line. I guess he's just a dipshit. Spend you know a lot of time on that. Yeah, yeah, but he's just a dipshit, and I think it creates like a sense of like place, and it allows us to see 
Bucky get into the middle of a thing and understand his relationship to this guy very quickly. Um, yes. I think it's, it, you know, he feels like a guardian angel in that moment. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's a good, yep. it's just good writing. It's quick and it's funny. Um, you know, the unique, it's like Monique, but with a U for unique. Yeah. It's like very, very funny. And that guy's just such a total douchebag. It's like, it's perfect. And, and, and it's also the kind of thing where hundred year old Bucky, that's weird to him. Well, yeah, it's all weird to him. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is a weird world. He goes with Yuri to the sushi place and they're chatting and it becomes quite clear quite cl- quickly that Yuri's son is the one that Bucky killed. And while they're there, there's a cute waitress at the sushi place and Yuri does his old man meddling and asks her out on Bucky's behalf. Um, and, and he mispronounces pinochle, which yeah. I appreciated as somebody who mispronounces words all the time. <laughs> you felt you felt seen. <laughs> I felt seen. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that. And it's like a very, it's a very cute scene. It's a really, really sweet scene. Yeah. I think that um, uh, Bucky is delightful here. Um, he is, he's, he's got a good line here where uh, Yuri says, you should ask her out and starts doing all this stuff. And Bucky says, there's a dance to this kind of thing. I haven't danced since 1943. Feels like. Right. <laughs> like, takes a shot. Yeah, have, takes a shot yeah. of the sake. Uh, I like that. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, so and that's also a nice callback to Captain America. Yeah. No, it's great. It's all really good. And it also, I think, really softens Bucky in a big way. The thing about Bucky is that no character has been more abused in the Marvel Cinematic Universe than James Buchanan Barnes. Because he is the main focus of an entire Captain America movie. His relationship with yes. Captain America is the main focus. Arguably two of them. Two of them, right? Because then the second movie where he's not like around a whole lot, but Cap is still going to the fucking mat for him. And then that's it. The end. Yeah. Like when he gets like – when he when he sees – when Cap sees him again, they have like a pat on the back like, hey, buddy, I ain't seen you in a minute. Uh. But not like – I am not like a big um, shipping guy. But I yeah. ship Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Like that relationship, especially in the movies, the the lengths that Steve will go to for Bucky are they're 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 just romantic. Like it's like it's romantic that somebody would go that far for you. He threw away his whole fucking life for yes. Bucky. Yeah. And then to in and then in Infinity War to just make it like a oh hey, how you doing, dude? Oh, I didn't know you'd be here. Like that's such bullshit. That's such unbelievable bullshit to me. And then yeah. Bucky doesn't get a good he gets like a bit with Rocket Raccoon at the end. And then yeah. you know, but nothing that great. He doesn't get anything really that cool. And he doesn't get a big moment in in Endgame in a in a big way. Um no. and uh even though he doesn't even say goodbye to Cap in Endgame. Like we get the sense that they said goodbye off screen. Yeah. Yeah. That Cap told him what he was going to do. And then I mean, there's a quick call back to the first Captain America movie where he's like, don't do anything dumb while I'm gone. How can I, you're taking all the dumb with you. Right. There's like, which is cute, but like, it doesn't have like, there's no, like there's never a moment in any of these movies where Cap going to such extremes for Bucky is clear. Like they don't build Bucky out very well. Well, that's fine. That's fine. But I, I think that I'm okay with I, the way that the way that Cap loves Bucky is builds him out enough for me. Do you know what I mean? Like in the way that Cap re- relates to him is enough for me. I just wanted more closure at the end between these two characters. So to see, okay. and I think that Bucky just got sidelined in the final two Avengers movies, just straight sidelined. And I think that. Um, now giving Bucky more space is good because I like this character. Yes. I like the actor. I like everything about it. I just think that he got really boned in the final two Avengers movies. Yeah. Also getting rid of the wig. Huge help. <laughs> Huge help. help. 
Um, so, uh, so now Bucky has this, uh, date and then we cut to Louisiana and we meet Sam's family. This is a big change from the comics. Sam's from Harlem in the comics. Yes. Sam Wilson, uh, the first African, I think he's the first, I think he did. He beat, I think he beat black Panther by like a couple of months as the first black hero. I think he might've, no, I believe black Panther is first. We're looking this up as we talk. Uh, Pretty sure Black Panther's first. 1969. Oh, yeah, you're right. Black Panther was definitely first. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's a seminal black superhero. Um, yes. Horrible original costume. He's had a number of it's, it's, like gr- it's green and, and yellow, I think, the original costume. It's real gross. I know it's primarily green. It's real bad looking. He's had a number of bad costumes, and he's Captain America's buddy. Um, he's a, in the comics. He's a social worker in Harlem, um, who ends up in this this uh, suit and stuff like that. But anyway, in this, it's different. He's from Louisiana, which is where Anthony Mackie is from. Yes, yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I've met Anthony Mackie a couple of times. I do not see where Sam Wilson ends and Anthony Mackie begins. I'm going to tell you, um, I've never met Anthony Mackie. So, so I can't speak on that, but I'd love seeing Sam Wilson's non superhero life. I love it. I too. loved it. I and, love it. But like when he goes down to Louisiana to see his sister and his nephews who have a shrimp boat and, um, I think it's shrimp boat. They have a shrimp, um, festival poster in their house. I'm assuming I, it's a shrimp boat. But, but he says, he says the blue bucket is for this. The white bucket is for white fish or whatever. Wow. So I think they just have a fishing, fishing boat. I think they okay. just, Anyway, up whatever they can. you know, he, we go there and he goes down to the dock and hangs out with them and he meets other people in the dock that he hasn't seen in a while. And the way yes. that he talks to them is I have seen Anthony Mackie walk into a room at a junket and that's the way that Anthony Mackie talks to journalists that he knows. You know, like, hey, okay. I haven't seen you. Oh, you still owe me yeah. five bucks from that thing. Like, that's like a yeah. – that was just Anthony Mackie. Um, I okay. could not believe it. Um, so it turns out that um, his sister Sarah uh, wants to sell the boat. And it's been it's been in their family. It's the name after their parents. It's been in their family for years, and uh, but she's not been doing well for the last five years. You know, um, mm-hmm. Sam disappeared. Um, her husband is dead. She's raising two boys. Um, I'm assuming he died for real, not blipped. And she's raising two boys. Yeah, she, she says she's a widow, so he can't be blipped because everybody came back from the blip. Unless I'm sure there's some people that unblipped and just didn't come home. Yeah, I mean, like the. There are a couple of people that pulled that pulled that with nine eleven. Yeah. So, yeah, I would be surprised if some people, at least a couple people, were like, "Holy shit! Five years have passed. Everybody thinks I'm dead. Fuck it, I'm out of here." But yeah. she is holding on by a hair. Like she, he wants Sam wants her to sell the boat. She's like, "No, this is our family. This is our whole heritage." No, in this no, boat. She, she he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't want. I'm sorry, I had it backwards. I apologize. Yeah. She 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 wants to sell it. He doesn't want her to sell the boat. And yes, there's a little bit of confusing dialogue in here. And I see people have a problem with it on on the internet. Um, people think that Sam is broke. I agree. I don't think Sam is broke. I think he's not. He's not flush. I think he's the feeling. I, got. I think he's flush. You think so? Yeah, because when they're on the boat arguing, he says, yeah. "Why don't you let me help you?" And she says, "We made the decision that I would deal with this." So I think that he is able to help her. I think he could show up and get it done. But she okay. has this pride that she wants to do it the way her way. This is my but, understanding. But later, but later they're using his financials at the bank. Well, they're going in for a loan together. I think that she might be. Yes. This is why it's confusing. I think it's not 
they're not like the thing is this is not a show about finances so like you know the problem is the fan base aka they, they actually they, they actually go deeper into finances than i would have expected <laughs> where they're like like well this is why you can't get this kind of loan and blah 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 i was like whoa yeah i mean like, i so, don't know what you're talking about so uh yeah so the deal is that um she he he does offer to help, but she she refuses. So I think that he offers to yeah. co-sign a loan with her. Is what I think is what, what I think the way that it works. Okay. But the premise here is that they're going to expand the business. They're going to start serving food. They just need this money to get over this hump. And um, he's working with her, and then they're going to go to the bank to go get yes. a loan. And we have a scene here that is interesting because it gives some post blip ideas about banking and finance. It is about racial inequality in banking and loans. Yes. But also I think is the most Marvel comics thing I have seen in any of these MCU movies. Where the guy asks, does Tony Stark pay you? No, the idea that a superhero in Marvel can't get a loan is just the most Marvel fucking thing I have ever imagined. Like a hundred percent. That is such a Marvel comics turn of events. Yes. That your superhero can't get a loan, can't get an apartment. You know what I mean? Like these are the yeah. kinds of things that happen to superheroes in Marvel comics. And or, I know that – Or as, as I put it because of where I come from in life, uh, Falcon has been Wally Wested because that's what happened to Wally in the early years of his book. He could not – Well, yeah. Broke. But that was um, – they were Marvelizing Wally West. I mean yes. because in the yeah. 60s – this is 60s like Marvel shit. I mean 60s and 70s Marvel shit. Your characters can't get loans. They can't find places yeah, to live. Yeah, it's Spider-Man. It's, I mean there's the the classic Spider-Man comic where he he gets paid by like somebody for advertising and then he can't cash the check because right. it's made out to Spider-Man. Right. And it's like what am I going to do with this like $10,000? Right. I can't do anything with it. Um, or when he had the gold notebook. Right. Which he cannot, yeah. he cannot unload. He cannot, um, yeah. But like so – but in this show – it's hitting multiple different levels here. Also, it also ties in directly with Anchorman. It does. In Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, when he is uh, warming up before the show, says the Human Torch was denied a bank loan. Oh, that's right. That is one of his things that he says. The Human <laughs> Torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> so this is um, evidence that this takes place in the Anchorman universe. I guess so. Um, so, but you know, it's post blip stuff. Like it's really hard to get people. There's been a recession post blip. The financial world is in shambles because all these people show back up. Like things are really fucked up. And so it's hard to get loans for anybody post blip. But on top of that, it's quite clear that this is about they're also they're black. They've been banking with this bank for generations. Sam is yeah. super famous. This guy knows who Sam is. He is like excited to like take a picture with Sam, um, but he can't give them the loan. Yes. And I, um, I found that really fascinating. And again, I think it's the racial stuff that's really interesting that's happening here. Like they're not like going on the nose, um, yeah. but Sarah, the sister, really is very aware that this is there's a racial oh, yeah. component yeah. to this. Well, I, I think as I have a theory that a lot of this show is going to be dealing with race and privilege. Yeah, for sure. You know, and- the only thing I don't like about this scene is that. Sam says that um, Avengers don't get paid, and I just don't believe it. And in the comics, they get a stipend, and it just makes sense. Like I, it doesn't. It like, makes literally no sense. Well, well the, I mean, there's there's two things. What one? I, I, there are no more Avengers at this point, right? Like the Avengers are kind of done at this moment. No, for sure. But like you know, how long has it been since the blip in this show? We're not a hundred percent sure, right? We haven't. No, but but he got blipped out. So there's five years where he was not getting paid, and he also was he an Avenger after everything went down in Civil War. 
Like, I feel like oh, yeah, Iron Man point. would be like, you're not on my team. <laughs> like, you know? That's a good point. I wonder if he was an Avenger after Civil War. That is a good point. Um, yeah. It does... Yeah, that's a good point. He was an Avenger before that, but then he wasn't. Amp- that's in- interesting. I would like to see that sort of discussed a little bit more. Yeah. Plus, like, like when you look at what the Avengers were in this universe, they probably weren't getting paid to be Avengers. I doubt right? it. Tony Stark, Tony Stark is wealthy as fuck. Uh, Captain America is being paid through S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, but S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't uh, exist after by the time they get to the second Avengers movie. Yeah, but, but, they, but then he moves into the Avengers – Compound. They all live so on, like they all live on the compound except for Hawkeye. I don't think Bruce Banner. Well, Bruce is off on a, on another planet. Thor is a god, right? So like, yeah, and Hawkeye's living off on his farm. The only three I thought that were living on the the uh, on the compound in the compound were Vision, Wanda, and Cap. Was the feeling I got from it? That's probably correct. I mean, it's hard to say what the story is in in. In Endgame, when we see that Rhodey is there, it's hard to say if he's living there or what the deal is. I just don't believe that they don't have a stipend. Even if you're living there, I believe you have a stipend. They give you room board and a stipend. That just makes sense to me. Like that just makes perfect sense to me. Um, yeah. I like the idea that like, you know, goodwill gets him places, but like, you know, I'm like he but, but again, he has not been Avenger, including vanishing from the blip. He has not been Avenger for seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Because Civil War, he would definitely not be on the team after that. That is a good point. Yeah. That is a really He would good actually point. probably be in prison. Like he would probably get a deal like how maybe Ant-Man got a deal, you know, or Hawkeye got a deal. You know, where he's just like under probation or whatever. We actually never find out what his deal is, right? Nope. He is never mentioned again. But he shows up in Wakanda, doesn't he? Cuz yeah, yes. he disappears. He's, he's there in the fight at the end. Yeah. I'm trying to even remember he is he at the big fight in Civil War? Well, he must be because he's there at the end of the movie when he disappears in the jungle. No, no, Civil War. Oh, Civil War? The final fight, like in the silo? No, in at the airport. Yeah, he's the one that – he. it's his fault that um, – Oh, yeah. That Rhodey gets Rhodey crippled. Gets, yeah. yeah. Which is right. why that's it's right. nice to see the two of them chatting, by the way, because there's obviously no yes. hard feelings. Yes. Um, and I like that very much. We, which goes into the conversation we had about Rhodey and Vision where Rhodey's a military man. He understands that sometimes there's – Friendly fire. Friendly fire. It was. Like it was in the heat of the battle. It was not. No, yeah. Nobody was trying to get anybody hurt. The whole. They were all trying yeah. not to hurt each other. In fact, but sometimes yeah. shit happens. And he's I, like, I mean, there, there's that that line between Natasha and Hawkeye where she's like, "Are we going to be friends after this?" And he's, he says, "Depends on how hard you hit me." Right. <laughs> I always appreciated that. Um. So uh, it is. Uh, it is interesting though. So it's an interesting scene. It's an interesting setup. And then we cut. Um back to uh, Bucky on his date. And I'm going to say something now. There's a problem. What's the problem? That he brings up everyone has tiger photos and it's 2024. So why is everyone still talking about Tiger King? No, that's not tiger. No. um, You, you probably don't do online dating. Do you? No. Um, It's very common to see people um, posing with tigers. Um, It's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a little old fashioned now. um, But, before the pandemic, it was very common to see people posing with tigers. Um, people would go to like Tiger King like animal sanctuaries and pay money okay. to pose with the tigers, and then that would be their dating profile picture. Oh, I, I thought that was a thing that got popular because of Tiger King. No, it was before that. It was for years before that. Um, women okay. will very often, women and men will very often pose with tigers. Men will often hold fish. Um, like these are very common kinds of dating profile pictures. Okay. So. 
Yeah, so that's that's what that reference is. That's just a dating profile joke. That's not a Tiger King uh, joke. Okay, okay. So then, I guess it makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> it might still be a thing in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe there's no pandemic in because that is one thing to keep in mind. This is the future, right? This, this is, is twenty twenty four, right? Yeah, or at least twenty twenty three. It's unclear what year it is. It was five years after? I mean, the blip is five years, right? And that was twenty eighteen. So that's twenty twenty three. And now we're a couple of months later. We so. have no. We have actually no idea. I guess we well, well Spider Man's a couple of months. Spider Man is six months later, right? Yeah, Five I think at some point we'll get some better information yeah. about when this is taking place. But right now I'm not yeah. sure we know. Probably not too long since he's just given the shield over to Smithsonian. Yeah, it seems so. like it's probably pretty recent, right? So um yeah. it's hard. I think Cap was probably around for a couple of weeks after the blip to help out and then went back in time. That's my guess from how Endgame worked. Probably did some Senate hearings or whatever. Yeah, did you know, went and spoke to the president and all this other shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, the thing about this date is I think that the, the woman is wrong. You think she's wrong? I think she's wrong. They have this date really? and they're having a nice time and then she gets real fucking heavy on a first date. And she starts talking about Yori and about his dead son, which is like, okay, like, you know, that's that's how you know each other. That's fine. But then she's like, yeah. we call men whose wives died widowers, and we call children whose parents died orphans, but we have no word for people whose children have died. And I'm like, this is yes. a bad first date conversation. Yes. Keep it much fucking lighter than she's, this. She's very goth. <laughs> she's really going at it. And yes. so he gets like upset and has to leave. Um, well, well, he also, by the way, just to be clear, he cheats at Battleship. Just so that we're clear about that. Are you sure? Yes. How do you know? Because when we see his board, all of his ships have pegs in them. <laughs> she has sunk his battleship and he has not said anything. <laughs> and he goes twice in a row where she doesn't go. So he also shouldn't be doing that. Like he, he cheats. He's a cheater. I mean, I, mean, I think that fits the character. I'll, I'll accept that. Um, yeah. So he goes up to go talk to Yori and he just doesn't have the guts or not the guts, that's the wrong word. He can't bring himself to say what he needs to say to this guy. Yes. And so I, it's a very hard thing to say. So, you know, I, uh, I am an alcoholic and I have done the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and I will probably also do them again at some point in the future. And making amends is one of those 12 steps, right? And the rule is you to make amends for all people that you have harmed, except if doing so would bring harm to them or others. And this is where it gets really sticky and why you want to be working with somebody else to make these decisions. You don't want to be making them on your own because there are some people that don't want you showing up at their door and saying, hey, I'm so sorry about that. Like they just don't ever want to fucking see you again. And that's – Or there's George Costanza who wants a, a <laughs> apology stretching out the sweater. Exactly. <laughs> Despite not being owed an apology. Uh, <laughs> this man's a step skipper. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean so it's a complicated thing. So it's unclear if – Bucky telling Yori that he killed his son would, would help. Would help. Would, would, would yeah. it make Yori feel any better? The premise of the amends is to get this shit off your chest so that you can move forward. It's not about making the other person feel better. That's a really okay. important thing to remember. People think that's what it's about, but it's not. And sometimes it, the best thing to do is just leave it. Just let it fucking be. And you have to yeah. figure that out. you got to figure out or – you, or you make amends in what we call living amends. But you live your life a different way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those are the ways that you make amends to somebody who maybe never wants to see your face again. And um, it's a complicated the, the, decision to the make. The private lion or private Ryan path of be better. 
I mean, that's it, right? I mean, yeah. that's the thing, yeah. like, like earn this. And, earn this. And, and so that's the thing is like, so it's a very complicated situation. So with the bad people, and by the way, one of the people on his bad people list is H, is H Zemo. That's interesting. So do you think that he owes amends to Helmut Zemo? Or do you think that he owes amends to Helmut's father, Heinrich Zemo, the original Baron Zemo, who was a Nazi scientist in the comics? I think we're going to find out. I have a big theory, a big, big theory. We'll talk about it at the end of the show about how it might okay. be Heinrich Zemo. So anyway. Okay. Anyway, so I, you know, I, I, it's really hard to make to have these conversations with people, and it's not always clear if you're going to only hurt them more. Like would Yori be hurt more to know that this yeah. guy – killed his son his friend the man who's now become his friend right or is the amends yeah. that that bucky makes is to just be there for yori who's a lonely old man like maybe that's the amends that you make right it's but it's complicated and so bucky not being able to do it in that moment is i think maybe good i think maybe it's for the best that he isn't able to tell yori that he killed his son yeah yeah um we find out that torres by the way um is continuing to look into getting into the flag smashers and uh, he gets his his ass royally kicked. So he joins a flag smasher um, flash mob. Yes. They're very modern. And I guess so. he shows up with this flash mob. And there's a bunch of people milling around with their phones. And he goes up to a dude and is like, hey, so uh, what do we do? And then all of a sudden they get, all get an alert on their phone on their flag, on their flag smasher app. <laughs> well, no, somebody whistles. But they get an alert on their phone too. I thought he was just looking at the phone to make sure he's in the right place. No, so he's then there's somebody's like tweet tweet. So they all get together and they all get these um, helmets, and then the the uh, app goes yeah. off and it says run. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And at that moment, somebody jumps out of a window, a second story window, with two bags full of something. Yes, and he lands on well, the it, ground. It, it, it's clear what it is. Like props to the filmmakers here. No one ever says they're in front of a bank. But you can see the signs of a bank behind them, and there's a, a truck right. that, that says bank on it as well. So no one ever calls it out, but it, like it's like, you'll come on. What else can it's I probably do? a bank? It's probably, it's probably money, right? Yeah. So well, yeah. this guy that jumps out the window, he lands in a way that makes it quite clear he is superpowered. Yes, he does super superhero landing. Does superhero landing, and um, he gets up and he runs, and he runs, and then two other guys grab the bags from him. They have this whole so as all these people wearing these flag smasher masks, they're creating confusion, and then yeah, they, they're doing a V for vendetta. V for vendetta, exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. and um, they're making off with this money. And um, the main guy that jumped out of the window, he um, beats up a cop, and so Torres breaks character and is like, "Hey, um, I don't know my jurisdiction is here, but you're under arrest." And yes. then he gets his ass handed to him. Just he gets. Well, Torres also shows that his military training is for shit because he's got his gun out and just walks up till he's till like a foot away from the guy, <laughs> so that the guy can grab his gun. And it's like you, every, come on, you know better than that, Torres. Come on. Well, I was yeah. certain he was going to die here. This was like, oh, this is it. This is the dead Torres scene because this guy. Is, I thought so too. He's just such a beloved. He's such a lovable character. Obviously, he's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, once it became clear that he was not a secret villain, I was like, oh, he's, he's going because that's what I thought at first was like, oh, he's trying to recruit Sam into the flag smasher stuff, right? But he's doing it all quiet and secret. Nope. Turns out he's he's really looking into it. Oh, he's going to get killed, and that's why Sam's going to really go deep into it. But no, he just gets beat up real bad. So yeah. I was happy to see that. And he facetimes with Sam about it, and um, says, you know, hey, listen, I'm really concerned, like. This guy is very strong. I think we got a real supervillain here. Um, it's a pretty big deal. And then as they're having this conversation, Sarah runs into the room. He's like, hey, turn on the TV, Sam. 
And he turns on the TV as a press conference, and um, they introduce a brand new Captain America. America has a Captain America again, and a guy in a Captain America outfit holding the shield that Sam mm-hmm. gave to the Smithsonian shows mm-hmm. up with a gun on his hip to a disturbingly small crowd of cheering people. Yes. And uh, we cut to credits. Yes. Um, so I can't tell the guy who introduces. So I suspect that Marvel does not want to um, show who the president is. Yeah. At one point they, they just say the president, like they don't say who the president is. Well, they also say the, president. the president's, you know, is, you know, happy to say or whatever, but he's not like, this is the kind of thing the president should be introducing the new captain America. Yeah. This should be in the Rose garden of the white house. Yeah. It's like on the steps of some building and in a very small square, it's very small between like a bunch of columns, this very tight area. Yeah. yeah. And there's like 30 people out front. It's like weird. Yeah. I mean, we've seen in the credits, there's like a big football stadium scene. So maybe they were saving their, their budget for extras for that scene. But like, it's like real weird. Like this is the smallest. And like, I just don't believe the president wouldn't be the one doing this. I don't even know who this guy even is. It's Johnny Walker. But like, no, I'm saying the guy introducing him, he's the same guy from oh. the Smithsonian. Is he a Smithsonian yeah. guy or is he a Department of Defense guy? Yeah, or a senator or congressman, who knows? I don't knows? I don't know. It's don't it's really it's a little weird. It's a little bit weird. And we're left. It'd be I, funny if the Smithsonian was like, we've created our own Captain America. <laughs> he's he's wearing the Fonz's jacket. He's got the original Kermit with him. And he sits in Archie Bunker's chair. <laughs> he sits in Archie Bunker's chair. <laughs> That's the ultimate Captain America. This all seventies TV shit. Uh, <laughs> he's cap. He's Captain Gen X. Um, but uh, that's the end. Of it. But it's weird. It's a kind of weird ending for the episode because, like, you and I know what's going on, but I don't know yeah. if I'm a regular audience person. I have the slightest fucking clue. It's funny because uh, I got my my buddy Todd, who's a big DC guy. Knows Marvel, but doesn't know it great. And I've seen people online do this too, where they're like, that ending shot of him, he's so goofy looking. Like, why would you choose that ending shot of this new Captain America where he looks so goofy? He doesn't look threatening at all or worrisome. It's like, as I remember in the comics, when John Walker became Captain America, part of the story was that everybody laughed at him. Everybody's like, you're not Captain America. What are you talking about? You're a loser. Like, you're a goofy looking dude. You're not going to pull it off. And that's part of what entices like that and the steroids they give him drives him kind of crazy and he becomes a bad guy for a little while, which is when I think the story is going to be as well. Right. Is well, he gets powers from the power broker in the comics. I thought he got it from the U S government. Uh, I, I, I mean, I could be very, very wrong. Cause it's been a very long time since I've read those books. Uh, I, I thought, cause he's selected to become the new captain America after Steve Rogers steps down. Right. Isn't that how it went down? Because he gets the shield and the costume and stuff. He, um, no, he gets superpowers before um, he gets um, out of the army and he meets the power broker and he gets superpowers from the power broker. And then he does um, what they have in the comics and they should really do in the fucking TV shows, by the way. Um, he joins Unlimited Class Wrestling, which is the superhero wrestling league. Yes. And um, he becomes the super patriot. Okay, yeah, and he becomes yeah. like a wrestling guy, um, and uh, he um, he ends up like fighting Captain America a little bit, and then he eventually becomes a celebrity, um, and 
after Captain America steps down, um, they end up making um, Walker the new Captain America. Um, yeah. So he, um, but and everyone kind of laughs at it. Everyone's like, "You're not Captain America. You're not Steve Rogers. You're not going to be able to pull it off." And that's, I think they're going for that feeling here with him because his helmet is too big for his head. Like, I think that's on purpose. I don't. I don't remember him being laughed at. I don't remember that in the story, but I, I, it's very possible. I, I mean, I'm saying laughed at, but like the kind of thing where people are like, "Oh, you're not Captain America." You're not the real Captain America. That's not really the problem with him. His problem with him is that he is like super fucking brutal. Um, He doesn't have the morals of Captain America. And so he's just more than – he's super happy to just cripple guys. Like he just loves like beating the shit out of people. He's just a very brutal, unpleasant man. He's very right wing. Um, And so I think – that's the thing i i don't but i don't remember the public i just it's been so long these comics are from the 80s um i yes. don't remember the public response to him in the um in the comic world uh so um i just think he's supposed to look um off yes i agree um and i think if you're not paying attention you don't notice he's got a gun on his on his hip um but uh i guess hopefully it's for regular people it's enough to bring you around and want make you want to come back and find out who this new captain america is um, yeah, and I guess the fact that um, quite clearly Sam is unhappy about it is probably the big uh, thing that we're supposed to understand. Um, it's just funny because as somebody who knows who this character is, who knows who John Walker is, knows U.S. Agent, knows his since it's Captain America, um, it is interesting um, that uh, it means so much to me. But like for regular audiences, it may not mean a fucking <laughs> thing at all. Um, interesting thing, by the way. Um. We talked about this last week, um, and it's the idea that there was Marvel comics published in the 50s that had Captain America in them. And then when they brought Captain America back in the 60s as part of the Marvel Universe, they retconned those comics and made it – there was a a fake Captain America that the government created. In this episode, Sam says, nobody carried the shield for 70 years and we were okay. So that – Yes. He might be referring to the specific shield – but my understanding or, is that what he's saying is there was no Captain America. There was no Captain America. So yeah. I think we're not going to get a retcon 1950s Captain America. I don't think. No, I, 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 I do think we're going to get an older Captain America, but I think it's going to be the truth Captain America. That's what I think they're going to end up doing. Like the, that storyline and which created the, what was the kid's name? Patriot or whatever. That was part of young Avengers. Well, so, okay, this is where we get into the end credits and this is where we get into my big theory. Um, so in the end credits, they give a bunch of hints as what's coming up on the show. It's kind of wild. I've never seen anything like this. Um, they also do something real weird where they stop credits sometimes. I don't know if you caught that. What do you mean? Where like, like there's a space in the credits where they're showing Sharon Carter, but they don't put the actress's name and they do the same with Zemo. Hmm. They, they, there's a space where Zemo's name, like the actor's name should be there, but they don't put their names because they're not in the episode. So there's just like a blank five seconds where you're seeing the Sharon Carter title card, but her name is not showing. <laughs> I thought that was weird. Well, the credits have a couple of things, one of which is a reference to Power Broker, which is what yes. makes us think that Power Broker is involved in giving these people powers. It has Zemo yes. stuff in it. It has Zemo's mask. Yep. It has um, it has what looks like, I'm going to say Madripoor, a postcard from Madripoor. We know that they go to Madripoor. We saw that from set photos and stuff. Um, So that seems like that. But also it includes a photo of a man's face, a black man, and it's a search log and it's an experimental subject. 
And yes. um, it's it's um, it's Carl Lumley uh, seems to be the guy uh, is the the face of the guy. So Carl Lumley was cast. Carl Lumley, you might know, he's the voice of the Martian Manhunter in um, some of the cartoons. Um, yes, he's, uh, and and he plays the Martian Manhunter's father on Supergirl. So there you go. Yeah. When he was cast, we had a lot of rumors, and I think that the rumors now are true. I think he's going to play Isaiah Bradley. An older Isaiah Bradley, yeah. And I think that he's – Isaiah Bradley, for those of you who don't know, there was a miniseries uh, called Truth, Red, White, and Blue about um, the history of the super soldier serum. And um, you know, in the comics and in the movies, Captain America – Steve Rogers gets the super soldier serum. He's the first guy. But as we know in real life, it doesn't work like that. You don't just give it to your guy. Um we know in real life they did terrible things, uh, you know, to the Tuskegee Airmen specifically, where they did terrible experiments on these black men. And so the premise of this miniseries is that they tested the super soldier serum out on black subjects, and most of them died, except for one guy, Isaiah Bradley, who is actually the first Captain America who predates Steve yes. Rogers. And when this comic came out, people were fucking furious, by the way. Yes. I mean, yeah. like, fucking, like, if, you know, this is like, I think this is pre-internet, right? Like, pre-big internet anyway. Like It, it was like it was like AOL, right. like, days. So, like, so I can't even yeah. imagine what it would be like today if this. Oh, there'd be death I mean, this is going to happen, so we're going to find out in about four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it seems quite clear that's where this fucking story is going. So Isaiah Bradley yes. is a guy. He has a son who has superpowers, and he has a grandson, Elijah, who doesn't have superpowers, um, but who um, gets superpowers over the course of his story. But he becomes a character called Patriot, who is the leader of the Young Avengers. And so – And has a great costume. He's got a terrific costume. So it seems like – here's my big theory. H. Zemo is going to be Heinrich Zemo, and we're going to discover yeah. that at the end of World War II – Oh, actually, no, I had this backwards end. My, my theory doesn't work out at all. Forget it. Take my theory and throw okay. it in the fucking trash. I was going to say that Zemo came to America and helped create um, – or maybe this, maybe actually maybe this still works. Maybe the, maybe the MCU is not going to want to make Isaiah Bradley the first Captain America. Maybe after Captain America disappeared, they tried to recreate the super soldier serum but couldn't do it. And Heinrich Zemo – Connected to Incredible Hulk. Right, which was they, we know they were fascinated by and kept trying to do. And what if Heinrich, yeah. Zero, Heinrich, Heinrich Zemo was Operation Paperclipped to help them work on it? Yep. And what if Isaiah Bradley – so what if they move Isaiah Bradley to the 50s yep. and make him not the first Captain America? I think that's terrible. I think they should make him the first Captain America. I think there's a, that's a really powerful story, and I think it I would agree. be disappointing if they make him not the first Captain America. But maybe that could be the story. I don't know. Um, but I think we're going to see Isaiah Bradley for sure on this, this show. I think it, whether, whether he's an old man or whether it's going to be flashbacks, I don't know. And I think they're setting up Elijah. I mean, Carl Lumbly is – he's not a young guy. He's up there. He's not um, – if he was a man who was getting an experimental treatment in 1940, <laughs> he is not that – he's not that old. No, he's not that old. But But if you go off the idea in the comics where – the super soldier serum slows down aging, but it doesn't work that way for Steve. We don't know that because he's not around long. We do know that because he shows up after spending 70 years in the past and he looks like an old fucking man. Yeah, I guess he looks like like Joe Biden. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. He looks essentially age appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he went back a couple of times. (laughs) You know, I didn't get it right the first time. Peggy divorced me. I'm trying it again. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, she left me for the other guy. So, yeah. but I think we're going to get this, and I think that we're going to get to the bottom of the meaning of what Captain America is, and we're going to get to the bottom of what America is, and maybe what the foundation of this country is built on. I think that's going to be part of the story. Malcolm Spellman, yes. the showrunner, um, is not is not fucking around. I I am familiar with Malcolm and his work, and he is a not he is a not fucking around kind of guy. Yes. Yeah. And, and and it's hard not to from this first episode see that they're setting up a very common problem we hear about today where you know race and privilege where right. i mean falcon should be the captain america he should be captain america it's that simple but they've chosen what i'm sure is going to end up being an inexperienced white dude for the role although to that be position. fair sam has declined the role he has but there's still a setup of like, well, we don't even know if they asked him to be. I don't think you fair. have to ask him. I think Captain America gives you the shield and says, this is yours now. I think that's just it. I think that's the way it works. I, honestly, I, I really but, but I could see a thing where the U.S. government is like, it's not up to Steve Rogers who gets the shield. I think that we would have gotten a different. We would, have government had, property. we would have gotten a different conversation with Rhodey. The conversation with Rhodey makes it very clear. It's Sam's yeah, decision. Yeah. But but I, I still feel like there, there's there's a thing here about like experience versus privilege. Oh, I'm sure that will, this race, will, this will all play out. You know. I think, um, there's going to be a lot to play out with it. I think that they need to give Sam a story about him coming to, um, accept the role. That's like part of yes. his story. Um, yeah. he does have imposter syndrome. He feels like he's not Steve. He can't be Steve. And he has to grow into the role and learn to grow into the role in his own way. I think having yeah. Isaiah Bradley show up as the original captain America will probably help him grow into that role to see that it is yeah. not Steve. Captain America is not Steve. Captain America is a figure and not a man. Um, yeah. I think that'll be important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, boy, I was so excited about my Heinrich Zemo story, and then I realized that it makes yeah, it makes it, it makes everything too late. It makes it ten years too late. Uh, I have go. I have Operation Paperclip on the mind because I've been watching For All Mankind. Yeah, see, um, where they made uh, what's his face a nice guy. Yeah, they sure did. Werner von Braun. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, I don't think it's weird. I think they did a really good job with it. I think they uh, no, they did, but it was just weird in like the first couple episodes where it's like, "Hey, Werner, you're cool." And it's like, huh? <laughs> like, and then you know, like as the episodes go on and more comes out about what he did, and they're like, "Oh, you're you're a Nazi." You're rough. Uh, you're a Nazi. But that's what he was like. You know, Werner von Braun used to do TV in the fifties and talk about yeah. rockets. Like he was very personable. Um, yeah. He was he was like beloved. I think he did Disney. Um, so anyway. That's the first episode. What'd you think? I really liked it. I really liked it. There, there's one thing we didn't discuss that I just want to touch on real quick. And it's the silent heroism in the episode. That is throughout the episode. We're watching as, as Sam is talking with his sister and doing everything with his sister, going to the bank and blah, blah, blah. They also make a bunch of food for a food kitchen right. and deliver it. And, the, and it's never pushed out in any way. It's just like you see them making food. Right. You see them packaging up and then you see them delivering it. And it's never pushed, but it's a nice little thing of like a piece of like, this is what this family is like. These right. are good people. They, they are everyday heroes. And I like that. I like that aspect of it. I thought that was where even though they're struggling to stay alive, you know, to keep their, their business going, they still are like, there's other people out there who have less than we have. We should help. Right. And I, I really like that idea. I, I thought that was really well handled in the episode. And I really liked that. I think that was fun. Yeah, I mean, I, th I would have liked if they had dropped two episodes, frankly, because I'm greedy. And this feels yeah. like it's, the, again, it feels like the zero issue. It feels like the prologue. And I kind of want to get to, like, the meat of it. I kind of want these two characters together. I want to see them together very badly. Um, I do think it's weird that we were told 
by the therapist that Sam keeps calling Bucky, but we never see Sam call Bucky. I think that's kind of weird. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a quick deleted scene somewhere where Sam just calls Bucky. Yeah, maybe. He's like, hey, just checking in with you. Because it's just a weird way to, to do that. Usually you'd want to show that call kind of thing. You know, show, don't tell. Well, I guess we'll see what happens when they finally meet and Sam confronts him about not answering the fucking phone. Yeah. And he's like, by the way, we're not friends. We never liked each other. <laughs> they're not friends, but they're brothers because they're both children of Steve Rogers, aren't they? Like in their own yeah. weird ways. Like they're, they're family in their own weird way, which is the wonderful underpinning of this show is the premise that these two men, it's classic buddy cop stuff, right? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but it yeah. really has a deeper emotional resonance here. Um, yeah, you know, I saw a complaint on uh, IndieWire review was like, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier doesn't take the kind of risks that WandaVision took. And I was like, man, you're really getting ahead of yourself, aren't you? This show hasn't even begun yet. And I think that I, if they do introduce Isaiah Bradley and if they do make him the first Captain America, I think that's way riskier than doing some sitcom episodes. Well, here's one thing. Watching this made me realize, help me, I think, figure out what my problem with the early episodes of WandaVision was. And it's that this these this episode help, like takes characters who have been in a bunch of movies, but we don't really know, and fleshes them out so that what comes next, we really get to know them. Where... One division just tosses us in where once it, it is a similar situation where it's like, yeah, we know Wanda, we know vision, but we don't know. Right. Them. And it just tosses us into their universe, into their prop. Like we're already going, like things are going full steam where in this, we get to see, I really like seeing Sam's family. I, you know, I, I like that. I like seeing Bucky talking to the therapist and going through what he's going through and like getting a touch of like, this is what their lives are. And now we're going to see the thing that shakes everything up, you know, where we don't get that with like, well, they're very different shows. WandaVision's a mystery at the beginning. WandaVision's a mystery at the beginning, but, but I think a lot of WandaVision carries weight on the idea of like, if you're a comic fan, you know, these characters, I don't think it does at all. That show was, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Or if you're not a comic fan, but you're a movie fan, you're watching because you're a fan of the movies and stuff. So, like, I, I feel like it takes shortcuts where the show is taking time to really help us take time to give us more of these characters I than mean, we've seen. Obviously, the show is taking more time with the characters in their personal lives than WandaVision did because they're very profoundly different kinds of shows. But I think it's yes. really not – I think you're wrong because, one, I think most people don't know the characters from the comics. So the, the show is incredibly popular. So I think that what – and I don't think it's because people saw them in a couple of throw, thrown-off scenes in – the Avengers movies. I think the show's incredibly popular because <clears throat> the mystery pulled people in and then they created, they gave these characters space over the course of the episode so that by the end you understood them better. And it's a different direction. I think that in, in this show, I think by the end of the season, we're probably going to be fucking slam. It's probably going to be structured like a movie where we're going to be in the third act and it's just going to be fucking action out the wazoo. And I think yeah. it's the opposite with Wanda, even though WandaVision got to the action bit in the end. As the show went on, it got less and less about the weird TV stuff and more about the characters and them communicating and understanding and whatever. And we got to understand them better. And it's going to be the opposite. I think we're getting the upfront stuff about these two guys, and then it's going to the action is going to probably increase. Yeah, maybe. I think we're. we're I mean, the action is definitely going in. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're excited to be back next week and find out what happens. In the meantime. If you like what we do here, we do this every single week also with Star Wars. We talk about the Star Wars TV shows, and we're in the middle. We just finished season two of Star Wars Rebels. That's a show called The Bad Batch, and we do that. That's subscriber-only 
at the Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga. One dollar and above gets you access to the Bad Batch. We're about to start Rebels Season 3 this week. And, and it's four episodes a month, so a dollar gets you four episodes, which is a hell of a deal if you like listening to two nerds talk. And it's like five hours. If you like don't, five to it's, seven a, hours. it's a torture. Yes. I imagine it's a torture if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> For $5 and above, you will get the Snyder Cut episode. We talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's available right now, and that's two solid hours for $5. Plus, you'll also get all the rest of those podcasts. We have 52 episodes of Star Wars podcast up. Um, so a very you know, DC number. It is a very DC number. We really appreciate your support. This means everything to me. Um, this allows me to pay my rent uh, in these difficult COVID times, so I really appreciate it. And if you um, just listen to this show and don't want to subscribe, uh, rating and reviewing us on your podcatching device of pleasure would makes a big difference as well to get other folks listening. So if you do want to give us a rate and a review, we'd really appreciate that. So if you can't become a patron, um, we are just as appreciative of a rate and a review. In the meantime, Derek, where can they find you on the internet? I can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF and uh, at www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga. And until we meet again, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, and may you remain a true believer.